In old school games, life is cheap. Don't be a dope. Bring your pole, oil, and rope. And try not to go down in a heap. Everyone, welcome back to the Down in a Heap podcast. I'm your host, Rob, podcasting to you live from beautiful Northeast Minneapolis. And it's been a long time coming, but I've got a special guest here that's going to prod me into resuming the bx deep dive it's evil jeff (laughs) 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 fulfilling his uh his evil title from the minions and musings podcast uh welcome here jeff i'm glad you were able to reach out and prod me uh because i've i've been uh slacking here so i appreciate appreciate the assist you're giving me I don't know if it's really that you were slack. It's, um, you know, I think you've been a little preoccupied. Might be the the PC term for it. I don't know. Well, I did. I guess I have a good excuse for a portion of the interval. But, uh, yeah, I started this deep dive, I think, maybe 10 months ago or something. So, <laughs> so it's pretty ridiculous that it's taken me this long. But, um, yeah. For those of you who have been listening along the way and uh, like Evil Jeff have been uh, continuing a conversation about BX, I appreciate it. But uh, So we're up to part six, the monsters. And as I outlined previously, BX defines any creature that is not a player character is called a monster. So this could be, uh, as they outline here on B29, a monster may be friendly or unfriendly. Wild or tame, normal beasts are fantastic. The DM will choose from these monsters the friends and opponents of the players. And uh, you know, one of the things I love about old school D and D is the brevity of the stat block. Um, it's it actually is just a stat line, unless you have a really you know complex monster like a spell using dragon or something like that. It's like a you know a goblin or an orc or even something like a lycanthrope or something isn't there aren't a whole lot of things to juggle mechanically that's much different uh than a a regular player character well not even a player character just i mean it's simple um yeah whereas some of the other you know like i I never played third edition but i see the stat blocks in scenarios for uh, third ed and it's you know like a quarter page for some of these like npcs or or monsters and fifth ed while maybe not uh quite as bad as that still even things like goblins and orcs take up a fair amount of page count and stuff and and preoccupy you as a dm you know oh wait a minute i forgot the special ability that the zombie has or something and that might make the game better but i don't know what do you think it depends on what your definition of better is (laughs) i mean i i play fifth ed um i mean i play enough that i've got uh went out and found uh a guy that has the srd uh already typed up in a one note notebook so whenever i need to pull something up i can just do it real quick, especially in the 5e game that I play mm-hmm. on Tuesday nights. In fact, um, whether that happens tonight or not, you know, is going to be interesting. But you know, I can see the stat block, and he's kind of cut it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it's still, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty long stat block in the SRD when you look at the monsters. It just doesn't have all that extra flavor text of, you know, describing it, background, so forth. So, yeah, back when I was running 5e, I actually uh, took the time to all the monsters I was going to be using in, you know, an adventure or something or that were on an encounter table I was using or something. I I wrote down on a little index card because it was a lot easier to consult that than to be flipping back and through forth through the monster manual. And, you know, for all these index cards I had, I probably had a hundred by the time I was, you know, finished playing like 30 sessions or something, you know, uh, for an old school monsters, if I would add 30 monsters, chances are I would have just filled up one sheet of notebook paper or, or, you know, front and back of a sheet of notebook paper or something. Right. So to me, that's one of the elements where I think when I say, or when I've described 5e is more of a player's game it's more it's a lot of it is because of that because it's just harder to dm for me and i think if i had kept dming 5e a lot of that would have become second nature so i'm maybe you know i'm not sitting here trying to bash 5e i'm just pointing out what i see as differences between like bx old school DD, and the newer editions so yeah, one thing I've noted out of the stat blocks, and this is really more towards uh, BX versus Beckme. Mm-hmm. Um, Beckme actually adds in a couple little extra stats. Well, no, two extra stats in there on the stat block, um, but four other pieces of information. What do they add? Um, we add in intelligence and give it a value. Okay. So we can talk about charm, animal, charm, person, or things like that. Sure. Uh, the XP value is already integrated in there, so you didn't have to go calculate it out yourself. Okay. They tell you the monster type. So is it a normal animal? Is it a human, giant humanoid, you know, planar monster, you know, all sorts of things like that. And then they actually tell you the terrain. Oh, Okay. So you don't have to con- look at like the expert uh, uh, encounter charts and all that to see that, or right. or, look at, or look at the flavor text or something. Though bingo uh, to look at that. Oh, that's cool. That's maybe one place where I think Beckme made an improvement because I think, uh, especially like the intelligence thing, I think is a nice shorthand to have to uh, to just know how to role play the monsters. How are they? You know, how are they cunning? Are they are they smart? Are they non-intelligent so that's i guess the first beam uh, monster manual has that too so um but the first beam monster they don't have yeah they don't have, have the experience point value do they no they don't um, no uh i think it's all in the dmg yeah yeah i think it's second ed added like habitat and uh they might have had x point value and i know i just from seeing like dark sun monsters and stuff i know they had like the creature type in there too like if it was a golem or you know like a construct or whatever um yeah yeah well that's interesting that Beckme changed that i've i've uh i don't have any Beckme, so what i've what i've seen of it seems to follow a lot along with bx but yeah there are some some definite differences i think it i think they were kind of reaching back over and say, like, hey, we found this out of 1E. 
that might be good to add through there. Um, and I, I know it definitely, it had to influence a bit more of uh, second ed as well, because yeah. you know, you're developing both these lines and somebody in one line could just say, hey, you know, hey, you know, you might want to try this. Oh, yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So in so in part six um, of the of the basic, I mean, the basic book, like page B29, yep. they start talking about the, the various terminology that you find under the monsters. Um, so they go through, you know, armor class, which is self-evident. And I know you've compiled some some stats uh you know, just looking at the breakdown on some of these monsters and stuff. So if you have something that you have and want to chime in with uh, any uh, juicy tidbits, uh, feel free to jump in. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The next thing is hit dice, which are always eight-sided dice. I've always wondered why um, the, the evolution of, like, the plus one and plus two. So why is a bugbear, like, three hit dice plus one or the ogre four hit dice plus one? I always wondered why they thought it was important to just add a hit point onto it. And I know some spells and things will differentiate, you know, like it only affects monsters of four hit dice or less or something like that. You know, I, I can't think of an example off the top. Of my head. That's if I was going to guess, that's exactly what it is to eliminate some of these monsters from some of the spell effects yeah. that players could have. Ah, I'm going to crap. It didn't work. Uh oh, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I wonder that must be something along that line because otherwise it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And I know there are in AD&D, I think there are monsters that have like four hit dice plus two or something. Well, here, Mountain Lion in BX, three hit dice plus two. So I'm not sure why the plus two rather than plus one. So yeah, it's, um, we need to get, uh, uh, oh, who's the guy that wrote the John wrote playing at the world. Oh. Yeah, um, you know more than I do at this point. <laughs> well, anyway, we need a real historian of the game, and I think to to answer that question. But if anyone knows, chime in. I'd love yeah. to hear it. All right. So, so quiz time, Rob. Yeah. What's the hit point? What's the hit dice range for the basic monsters? You mean like how high does it go? Start. How low does it go to how high? Uh, I'd guess like maybe a quarter hit die or something like that to, ooh, well, like an, a red dragon can be up to, I think, 13 hit dice. Uh, so I'll say 13, but I think I'm probably wrong. Yes, you are wrong. <laughs> it's as low as one hit point, oh. which is your uh, normal rat and normal bats. Okay. So, yeah, not really a monster. Yep, yep. Um, but up to 11 hit dice, and that's gold dragon. Okay. I believe. Yeah. All right. I'll give you the fact that I was wrong on the one hit point thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you don't think about those. I mean, because everything else is like, it, everything else is like half a half a hit die. Right. But, you know, that's the next lowest down. Yeah. But technically, dragons can range in size from hit three hit dice smaller to three hit dice larger than average. So, for example, red dragons could be found having 7 to 13 hit dice, depending on their age. That's enough. Well, That's in yes. But... It's not in the stat block, so I'll give it to you. I, I was wrong on both sides. <laughs> Do you have a breakdown of, like, what, uh, like, the median or average hit dice is, or, like, what percentage of, I mean, 
it's it's set to be a basic rule book so like first to third level is what it's targeted at for player characters so and um first to third level so how many hit dice you want me to go up to well just like do you did you like break it down like 30 percent of the monsters in here are two hit dice or less or whatever i don't know. oh no i didn't do any of those calculations like that which actually i could probably do that but um if you say up to a single hit die yep. up to one hit die uh that's only 23 monsters okay if you do uh, a hit dice plus something, one, one plus one, one plus two, you only add five more onto that, so you're at 28. Okay. Up to two plus whatever number hit dice, and I think it's two plus two is the top end of that, mm-hmm. you're adding on another 19. Oh, wow. Okay. So what are we at there? 28, 47. Uh, 47. That's 47. And if you go up to one more step, up to three plus two hit dice, you add another 15. So 62. 62. And there's only 102 monsters in the basic. Oh, okay. So we've covered half of yeah, them. 60% of them are like three hit dice or, or less. So yeah. So that makes sense. Um, and then the expert set, of course, adds a lot of the really big baddies like purple worms and dragon turtles right. and all that stuff. Dinosaur. And it was interesting to look at that because in the expert book, you're only at a half hit die up to 36 hit dice. Okay. And there's actually two of them at 36 hit die. Is that like the dragon turtle? and uh, Dragon turtle, no, is 30. Okay. Uh, T-Rex. Um, is T-Rex 36? No, that's like eight uh, I'm using my Excel spreadsheet as fast as I can oh, to figure no that out. But yeah, um, 36. yeah, 36. That's uh, oh, no, 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 it's the giant rock. Oh, yeah, and then it's depending upon where you're looking at, it's either a sperm whale or the great whale, whichever way you want to talk about. Okay. Right. But those are the only two 36 hit dice monsters you've got, the purple worm being the 30 hit die. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's cool. So the, the the stat block um, with attacks it will list things like you know damage, n- well number of attacks and then damage, and it will spell out like if it's claw claw bite or a bite or by weapon type or something like that, and then it goes into like the the special attacks like poison, which it <laughs> aptly describes as the vein of all characters, and unless it's noted, it's assumed to be save or die poison. So, yeah, I mean, I've had far more characters die from missing a save versus poison uh, and to a lesser extent being paralyzed and then being taken out or something. But but poison is definitely the thing that has taken out most of my dead characters. Uh, paralysis, at least the default period is uh, two to eight turns um, unless it's speci- specified under the monster heading. And as I've outlined, like the spell uh, section of the deep dive, cure light wounds can remove paralysis instead of curing damage. So that's a pretty handy spell to have. Uh, energy drain, man, we could do a whole show about energy drain and whether or not it's uh, something that 
you know, you like or the various ways people modify that as it's listed in the, in the rules, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty severe losing, you know, one or two levels of experience. I mean, depending on what level you are, <laughs> that could be like, you know, a hundred thousand experience points or something down the drain. Um, so, and there's no saving throw and, in the BX rules, there's not even any kind of way to recover it. I mean, maybe you could like with a wish or something, but uh, but there's no spell like a restoration spell or something. In the yeah. There, there's no cure for it. It's just you're going to have to wish it back or yeah, something. Right? Don't you love the fact that where it says paralysis, the very first sentence there was paralysis is less dangerous than poison. <laughs> I don't know what game they're playing, but that that's. <laughs> Well, I guess if it's save or die, it's... Uh... Let's, let's ask Colin what he thinks about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally get where he's coming from, too. It, it can be a complete buzzkill. And especially when you're talking turns. I mean, if you're basically just knocked out of the whole encounter um, or, or a lot of the adventure, you know, depending on how long a specific encounter takes to play out. That's why I like that how they have a really low threshold cure for it with just a cure light wound spell i mean even if you have like a you know a scroll laying around with cure light wounds just to snatch away for if someone gets paralyzed or something um but uh one thing i forgot to note on, on the paralysis part is they specify that um for resolving like attacks on paralyzed creatures it just it, it automatically hits and you roll for damage so Technically, there's no like coup de gras that you can apply to a paralyzed creature if you're doing rules as written. Um, you just sit yeah. there and bang on them until they <laughs> until you drop them to zero hit points. Um, for two d four turns, I mean turns. Right, yeah. God, twenty minute, twenty to eighty minutes. So, I mean that's a long, long time. A lot of wandering monster checks if you're stuck down in the dungeon with, uh, you know, your your petrified friend that you can't, you don't have an extra henchman or two to drag him out of there. Um, with charm, it, you know, if a monster has a specific, specific charm attack, it's interesting that it notes that, um, the, uh, the charmed character is too confused to use any spells or magic items. Um, and then it goes on to say the death of the charming monster will usually break this type of charm. You know, it doesn't say anything like that under the charm person spell. So you could charm with a charm person spell. You could charm, say, uh, the local cleric to give you a break on healing or something like that. But if a monster were to charm, like a harpy were able to charm a, a cleric and have them as their their little personal slave, well, you know that cleric that they've charmed technically couldn't be healing them or anything. Or even using a staff of healing or some magic item that would benefit the harpy. But uh, conversely, if the harpy has a charmed magic user and the magic user is trying to obey their new best friend, the harpy, they can't like cast a web spell on on the other player characters or something. They're just I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, trying to attack with a dagger or something. I think that's another one of these areas that. We read, we've read through in the past, and we don't think about it. Yeah. And when we go back and reread, it's like, 
dude, I haven't been playing it that way in a while. Oops. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, th- that's definitely PC friendly. Yes. It's definitely helping them out. Agreed. Uh, for acid, it talks about acid attacks destroying armor, but it has a weird way of noting it. It says acid attacks will destroy armor in a given number of rounds, leaving the character with an armor class of nine. So I don't know what given number of rounds. Maybe it's if it's specified in the under the monster that has the acid attack, but then it specifically says a black dragon's acid breath weapon is different and causes damage for only one round per breath. Um, and then that armor's only destroyed if the character dies by the dragon's breath weapon. So that's kind of, I don't know. That's the most odd yeah. thing in the, in this whole yeah. section, you know, yeah. like that's the only, you, know, do, you have to wonder if that happened and somebody's like, all right, we need to make a rule for this. This really sucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Believe Gary did this to me. <laughs> and the number appearing uh, for monsters, they list a couple. They they have one that's like if you just encounter uh, a monster wandering around in the dungeon or something. In parentheses, they have the you know, amount of monsters that will uh, be present in a lair. And then it goes on to say that if it's a lair is in the wilderness it will usually have five times the number normally met in a dungeon lair. So, for an example, let me find, like, goblins. Oh, where are you, goblin? Well, how about gnolls? Uh, gnolls have one to six, like, if they're just a wandering monster, three to 18 if they're in a dungeon lair, but then you'd multiply that times five if they were in a wilderness lair. So, um so that's probably how, well, I'm guessing they use the rules as a rough guideline when they were creating something like, say, the Caves of Chaos or whatever. But uh, uh, for Yeah, you also uh, got to think, if you're talking Wilderness Lair and so forth, you're talking uh, some of the non-combatants, you know, we're going to think there's going to be females and children, maybe elderly that may not be able to do it, but I, I don't know if I'm going to go that far with some creatures, but um, you know, so uh, that's not always full fighting force in my, in my, yeah, book. I'd, I'd, I'd agree but, with you. It's not spelled out like it is in the month of AD and D monster manual where it actually does, I think say like, you know, 150% of this number in addition will be female and, you know, X amount are, you know, young or eggs if they're coal balls or whatever, you know? And so that's not really listed here. The- the problem I, I have with that line, though, yep. okay, and when you go back and look at it, all right, number given parentheses, da da da, and that monster, which might be met in the monster's lair or in the wilderness. Monster in the wilderness, usually five times the number. Um, so you go and look at dragon, <laughs> let's see, one to four, parentheses one to four. So I can have up to 20 dragons. No, no, wait. <laughs> Maybe they're all eggs or something, or little uh like in the movie dragon slayer where they're out all the little uh little critters i don't know but yeah that with 20 dragons would be it would be trouble for uh, a duchy but uh, let alone an adventuring party you just wandered into the wrong dang place yep. but <laughs> <laughs> grab your six siders we're rolling new characters um 
So they have a then kill him and then roll again. <laughs> they have a save as section for determining like what the saving throw tables that a monster uses, and um, if they're unintelligent, uh, they save at half their monster after half their hit dice, and if they're intelligent, they save at their hit dice, and it's usually a default of a fighter unless there's some kind of magic using creature. What's funny is, so they differentiate with all this stuff, and I understand it's just a formula to determine saving throws, but they list you know, all these things like, saves as a fighter three or a fighter two, and and that doesn't mean anything. It's the same as a fighter one, but I I know, like I like I said, that they're, they have a formula and they're using it and whatever. It's just noted in there what to use, but uh, um, it's just kind of funny that it's really not any different. Yeah. Um, then they, they, of course, list the morale. I love morale in VX. It's my favorite morale system in uh, gaming. It's simple and it's effective. And then treasure type. Um, they do go out, uh, out of their way and say, with an exclamation point, not all monsters have treasure. And that unintelligent monsters rarely have treasure, though some animals might collect bright, shiny objects. And any meat-eating creature might have recently killed someone who has been carrying treasure. And that, in general, treasure is usually found in a la- only found in a monster's lair or home. Um, wandering monsters are therefore less likely to be carrying treasure than monsters which have homes in the dungeon. And that's also a reason why <laughs> I always like when we run across wandering monsters as a player. I'm just like, just try and avoid them. You know, let's let them pass, hide, or whatever, because they probably don't have any loot on them anyway. And uh, if you're, you know, a bunch of money grubbing. Uh, adventurers just looking for experience points. The loot is where it's at, not the not the monster kills. So they try and avoid those guys as much as they can. Yeah, I mean, I, I also broke down treasure, and I think what I would do is I'll say that for the next time we deep dive here because uh, you know when you start doing that, all the treasure types because yeah, yeah, it's so yeah. yeah. I don't, want, I don't want to steal any thunder from treasure. <laughs> right, yeah, that's all the glitters, right? Then uh, yeah. alignment to... Oh, I'm though, sorry, go ahead. I say, when it comes down to treasure, though, um, there is, you know, interesting enough, there's only one creature... No, was it one creature? No, not that. Yeah, there's 29 of them that are listed as no treasure whatsoever or nil. The treasure type listed as nil. But then you've got one. Where'd it go? I lost it. There it is. I've got one that it doesn't give you any treasure type whatsoever. Oh, really? Do you think that was just a, a typo or something? Or Nope. Nope. It's not a typo. It is actually because there is, you know, it is a special treasure within the creature itself. Mm. And that is, where'd he go? He was right there. The uh, killer bee. Oh, the honey, yeah. Yeah, that's the, you know, they don't give you a treasure type there. They tell you, go look in the uh, sea below and everything, and that's where it talks about the the honey being the half-strength potion of healing. Cool. So, yeah. But think about that, 29 creatures... (laughs) In basic, do not have any treasure whatsoever. All, uh, all, all the players Expert. are collectively shaking their fists at those monsters right now. You damn beetles! 
Yeah. Well, no, take this. Expert. 103 monsters total, yeah. roughly. 49 <laughs> of them do not have pressure. And I'm sure the giant termite is one of them, right? <laughs> Probably. I, don't, I can look that up. <laughs> it's one of my favorite. Is it? Okay. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, come back over here and do that. And then do that. I love spreadsheets. <laughs> what do we say? Termites. Oh, termite. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No term. No, none of the termites have no no, no treasure. Dinosaurs, yeah. whales. Oh, uh, yeah, sharks. Contributing to a lot of those monsters is the dinosaurs because there's quite a few that they live. Well, if I'm remembering right, there's quite a few in the expert rules. They have more. All your giant fish. fish. Yeah. All of your yeah. golems. Or golem. No, and golem. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Elementals. Yeah. Where where would they carry yeah. it? Well, I suppose an earth elemental maybe it could have some some kind of cleft in their body or something. But like, how would a fire elemental carry his treasure or an air elemental? Well, maybe air elemental could keep it boiled yeah. off somehow. But um, yeah, and then of course, like there's they list the alignment too, and there's a three point alignment in DX, so they they're either chaotic, neutral, or Lawful, and my guess is that the majority of the monsters are neutral. But uh, like, if, if and that the the least amount would be lawful. But uh, that's just a hunt. Well, you know, I've yeah, got yeah. that stat. Lay it on me. So basic monsters, you've got sixty-five of them that are just straight out listed yeah. as neutral. That's yeah. ha that's more than half. Uh, you've only got four that are listed as lawful only, and two of them that are listed as lawful okay. or neutral. You've got one that is listed as neutral or chaotic. Okay. There's 25 of them, of them that are listed straight out as chaotic. And then you've got six that are listed as any. I'm guessing those are like the, some of the men, you know, like uh, mediums or acolytes or something like that. But... Um, yeah. Ooh, wait a minute. Oh, I just I messed up. I filtered out so many things. <laughs> oh, I still got the treasure type filtered I've got out. No wonder. Here on the first page, and that's any. So I'm I'm assuming that's a lot of those that. Yeah, it's basically the uh, acolyte, the medium, yeah. the veteran, normal human, NPC party, and the noble. So the. So BX does have its share of like just unique monsters that I don't think I've run across in any other like official version of D&D &D or anything. And then there are some that are listed that um, are kind of broken out usually in the, the animal types, whereas like an AD&D &D or something, it will just have like for shark, it will have a range of hit dice for what the shark could be. Whereas in BX, it will have like stats for a bull shark and a great white shark and a macro shark or whatever. Uh, and then like in BX, they have different types of giant beetles. They have the fire beetle like like AD&D, but then they have an oil beater beetle and a tiger beetle, which aren't in at least the AD&D uh, monster manual. They might be in monster manual two or something. I think the polar bear appeared in monster manual two um but in bx it's right here in the in the basic set um 
And then there are yeah. some that just have like a little twist on them. Like uh, the doppelganger, one of my favorite monsters, because you know why, right, Jeff? Damage type is a D12. <laughs> yeah. <far> as I... <laughs> I just thought you're. I thought you're just going to you know say because froth is around, but uh, okay. Well, that too. Yeah. Uh, well, wait a minute. Didn't you know I was, it's me? It's froth that you're talking to. I can turn on the southern. Well, no, I can't turn on the southern accent. I can't do accents. But the doppelganger in BX uh, is not listed as having any ESP ability, but they do have it in AD&D. Um, yeah, I miss that. Yeah, and I'm sure there's all kinds of things that I'll miss here, too, going through some of this stuff. So, I don't know. Some of the things I've noted that um, that aren't, that I couldn't find, like in the AD&D, at least the Monster Manual, White Ape, uh, they didn't have bats, and especially the giant bat. Did you read this thing? So, um, in BX, the giant bats are described as carnivorous meat eaters and may attack a party of extremely hungry. They have two hit dice. More dangerous, however, are giant vampire bats. 5% of all ba- giant bat encounters will be groups of giant vampire bats. The bite of the giant vampire bat does no extra damage, but its victim must save versus paralysis or fall unconscious for 1d10 rounds. Uh, this will allow the vampire bat to feed without being disturbed, draining 1 to 4 hit points of blood per round. Any victim who dies from having his or her blood drained by a giant vampire bat must save versus spells or become an undead creature 24 hours after death. So... And it suggests that if the expert rules are used, this may be a vampire. So I don't, I don't remember seeing that in any kind of description of a bat in, in the AD&D branch. No. Uh, that's definitely something that is definitely new or unique strictly yeah. to this version yeah. and everything. You know, I don't think many times you ever thought about that. It's like, oh, wait, you know, 5%. Yeah. You know. And how often do you even like think about using the humble bat in on your games but but this i mean that could be a whole like little mini campaign if there's like a group of giant giant bats giant vampire bats in the province and all of a sudden you've got this vampire incursion and the source of it's actually these giant vampire bats um i mean you know you're talking two hit dice you know so up to 16 hit points and it only now, granted, it only does up to four yeah. points of damage. But then the save versus paralysis. But so, yeah, pretty tough. Yeah, say that. Yep. Man, if that. they're if you're bitten by the the vampire, the vampire. Oh bat, yeah, 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 yeah. That's and it's right. a Oh, the uh, yeah, that's right, vampire bat. Yeah, it's just a D four damage, but right. Hey, at least it's rounds <laughs> and not turns. Yeah, right. Um, so moving along here, there's the Humble Cave Locust, which is a really kind of weird, interesting monster in that they're like feed on various uh, underground fungi and stuff, uh, including yellow mold and shriekers and stuff. And they're immune to the yellow mold, so they can be, you know, like planted in a yellow mold colony as some additional uh twist on that encounter or something 
they'll usually flee, but they, unfortunately, their sense of direction isn't good, so they'll sometimes accidentally jump into the party and do damage from the, the bug, like, buffeting the <laughs> the party members if they make an, a, you know, a successful attack. But then if you corner these critters, uh, they spit a brown, gooey substance up to 10 feet. Uh, they only need to hit armor class 9, and if the character's hit by the cave locust, they must save versus poison or be unable to do anything for one turn due to the awful smell. And after this time, the victim uh, becomes used to the smell, but any character approaching within five feet of him uh, must save or become violently, <laughs> violently ill until the spittle is washed off. So I could see players... Uh, having all kinds of shenanigans, purposely getting spit on by a cave locust so that they can then go into the orc lair and have all the orcs, you know, like, keel over in disgust or something. Mm. Although it does say character, doesn't it, rather than monster. So maybe Yeah, maybe it says character there. up against uh, those type of shenanigans by using that out <laughs> uh dragons um oh wait i want to say one thing there yeah uh name change when yep. you go to beck me it's no longer a cave locust they call it a okay. giant locust well they are big they just have two hit dice so yeah i mean there's a couple of them that there's actually a couple name changes here and there like you know it's giant, it's killer bee, but then you look at um, Beck me and so forth, it's giant bee, not killer bee in there. Uh, the driver ant is renamed yeah. giant ant in the okay. Beck me stuff. So you do, I mean, there are some times that there's some interest, you know, I don't say interesting name changes, but they did move things like, uh, I want to say, uh, no, that one's not a name change. That was Caveman, but yeah. that's not a name well, change. Well, I think they're like under Neanderthals or something in the BX rules, and then Caveman's in parentheses or something. And I did, I was thinking they might be unique, but I found them in, under the heading of men in uh, the AD&D. And just for the record, I like Killer Bee. That's like a hangover from the 70s, 80s. 70s. You know, <laughs> the Killer Bees that were going to come up from South America and devastate everything um for dragons um wh white dragons and blue dragons are neutral that's a big you know departure from your standard D D where all the like chromatic colored dragons are um are evil and all the metallic dragons are good and of course they only have one metallic dragon in bx the gold dragon there's no silver bronze brass whatever copper all that Stuff, but uh, the white and the blue are are neutral. I thought that was kind of kind of fun. So yeah, they're just going to mess you up when you come yep. mess yep. with their crap. So and there's no fear aura like there is in um, in AD and D. There's no fear aura that I that I've noted at least um, with the uh, BX dragons. Uh, yeah, the driver ant you mentioned there. Uh, they don't have any kind of differentiation like in um, uh, their their 
hive like they have in AD&D with, uh, with workers and, and soldier and queen ants or whatever. They're all, but they're all, my God, four hit dice with a three AC. These things are, and they do two to 12 points of damage. These are some bad ants. So I would not want to rouse them. Yeah. <laughs> If you've messed with fire ants, you you know that uh, I've had the misfortune of uh, of rousing uh, some ants at times, and yeah, they're no fun. So I yeah. I can see where this came from, but man, yeah, even though they have the chance of having a bunch of gold nuggets in their lair, it's yeah, woof, they're tough stuff. Unless you have like a cloud kill spell or something that you can pipe down their ant hole or something, smoke them out. <laughs> Uh, they have a giant ferret in here. I don't really. You know, there's giant weasels and stuff in AD and D, but I don't remember seeing a ferret. Um, and then, let's see. You mentioned killer bees. How about living statues? I think they're a really cool monster. That, aside from golems in AD and D, I don't remember there being like living statues. It's, am I wrong there? Have you run across those? Uh, not in yeah. first ed. So they have three varieties: crystal, iron, and rock. And uh, the, the crystal ones are lawful, but they're you know described as enchanted yeah. animated creature. And you always think of uh, um, like a, a golem as being unintelligent, but these things have alignments, so it almost makes you think that they are intelligent. And you know, could they converse? Well, and and to, to lead credence to the the theory that they're intelligent, their save as is the same as their hit dice. So uh, if they're unintelligent, it would be half their hit dice for their save as. So um, there's nothing really all that, um, aside from their appearance, there's nothing really unique about the crystal uh, living statue. But the iron ones, uh, their bodies absorb iron and steel and when hit, they take normal damage, but if a non-magical metal weapon is used, the attacker must save versus spell, so the weapon becomes stuck in the body of the iron statue until it's killed. So that's kind of a fun effect. I've used iron statues a lot in my games because yeah. I think that's kind of a fun little twist. I just think you ought to have yeah. more fun with, yeah. the rock, with the rock. Yeah, the rock living statue. Yeah. Hit it and get squirted with yeah, they're, lava. They're filled with a apparently you know? never-ending supply of magma. <laughs> and they can shoot it from their fingertips. Uh, from both fingertips. So it's like 2 to 12 points of damage from each hand or finger or whatever that they shoot the, the magma from. So, whew, that's some bad news. Um, yeah. You can mess with yeah. somebody like that. Uh, giant lizards like the like the um, beetles we talked about. They just have different varieties listed than what's in the uh, AD and D monster manual and stuff. Uh, lycanthropes are all pretty much the same, I think, as far as the types and stuff. The basic array of types. Uh, and this is where we get to something that is uh, over well, not overlooked here. The things that we should point out. Um, the lycanthropes are the first set of monster. Well, not the first set, but the largest class of the monsters we have. It you need magic yeah. to hit it. it. Has to be a magic weapon, or a, yep. it, it needs to be magic. 
in that aspect. But yeah, out of uh, our basic and expert, you know, yeah, there's six. Uh, you know, actually, when out of basic, there's six of them. They're lycanthropes. Out of the full ten, that you have to have something yeah, special BX to hit them. Asterisks in a couple different ways with monsters. Uh, after, if it's if uh, the name or or group of, of monsters has an asterisk after their bolded name, that means that they're enchanted or can only be hit by magical weapons. Um, if there's an asterisk after the hit die. That means they have like a special attack ability, um, and in some cases they have like two asterisks. And all, what that does is, uh, when you're calculating experience point awards, there's a column for like special abilities that gives a bump to the amount of experience points that the monster's worth. And for every asterisk, you give them that bump. So, like a Medusa is listed as four hit dice with two asterisks after it, presumably for the poison from um, the asp hair, the snake hair, and then, of course, from the petrification attack. Um, let's see. Hunting for other unique monsters here. Um, there is the rock baboon and the robber fly, two other, um, you know, takes on ordinary kind of like a, a bug, a giant fly or something. And the, and the rock, excuse me, baboons are just described as larger uh, versions of normal baboons are more intelligent and will eat anything but prefer meat. So these things are like little carnivorous apes and they are ferocious and have vicious tempers, including an eight morale, which is pretty good. Um, so that could be an interesting, like, if you're sick of goblins, throw a bunch of, throw a horde of rock baboons at the, <laughs> at the party or something to give a little difference. Have the, the baboon pack uh, hooting and hollering as they chase the party members away. Maybe throwing the occasional scat at them, too. You gotta have that. Yeah. Robber flies, uh, first time I actually encountered them was when I was running the minions through uh, B10. Was that it? No, not B10. No, 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 no. No, it was the uh, okay. compendium B1 through 9 yep. in search of adventure or something like that. And yep. one of the first things that you do is go up and you are clearing out <laughs> Castle Caldwell. So that's like yep. B6 or something like that. But when you go underneath when you clear out the the castle level you find mm -hmm. a trap door you can't open up so then you go back town then later on they open up for you but the person opens up says yeah i'm not going down there so then you go your characters go in okay. you're locked in and, and the very first thing you encounter is a uh wow is a doppelganger wow. so i killed off i killed off two uh two npcs with that before the minions and they knew they knew something was wrong you know this, this is you know you knew you taught your kids well and it's like yeah you see somebody looks awful you know awful lot like this other guy over here he's like what is that is demon or dog what is that what? we gotta kill it we gotta get... you know but he wouldn't he didn't want to kill it until you know something bad happened then he's just like you know okay slaughter it and everything but yeah there's robber flies like two rooms over after you do that that's how that's what happened the robber flies started attacking and I had the uh, doppelganger 
uh, say, oh, let's get out of here and grab the magic user that was hanging out with them. Like, go this way. <laughs> took them out. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Talk about a bad munch, munch, munch. A, a doppelganger right off the bat in a basic module. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's just crazy yeah. to think that they yeah. threw something like that in there. So, the next monster after Rock Oh. Uh, no. Oh, the Rust Monster. Yeah. Oh. The the Gary says, I shouldn't have given you all that metal, <laughs> yeah. magic metal yeah, crap. Sure <laughs> I, aside from like the the uh, tale about them just having a bag of like plastic monster toys from Taiwan or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure that was his uh, the the impetus behind the rock or rust monster must have been exactly what you say. I've given out too many magic items. Time to take some of them away. <laughs> but more so, read the description there. I mean, hmm. Where uh, I'm trying to get to, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, attracted by the smell of metal yep. and eats the rust created from its attacks. Rust monster can be hit by any type of weapon. Oh, wait a minute, I'm looking the wrong thing. Sorry. Sorry, I was looking oh, in the okay. uh, rule yeah, cyclopedia. Each, well, each time uh, magical weapons Sorry. and armor are struck, they will lose a one plus. So, like, you have your plus three shield. Um, right. It drops to a plus two. Uh, magical weapons and armors have a chance of not being affected. Uh, for each plus that a weapon or armor has, there's a ten, oh, a whopping ten percent chance that it will not rust. So, I mean, most likely your plus one sword is going to be toast. Um, and even even if you have some like yeah. legendary plus four or plus five blade, it's a fifty fifty chance that it's just powder after <laughs> after an encounter with a rust monster. So yeah, watch out, watch out for rust monsters, right, Ray? <laughs> yeah i mean now you you have to use a uh i mean now any of your wooden items you know could take it out you know any staves or things yeah. like that but i mean five hit they dice have an ac of two as well so they're and five hit dice so they're they're not an easy kill by any means they're they're a nasty yeah nasty. this is where this is where your magic yeah, user earns his key you have that lightning bolt <laughs> Yeah. And you know, and you don't have to worry about it. This is this is another one of these times that we don't worry about a monster. Oh, there's rust monster. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, magic user, go wrestle him. Because yeah, there's right. no damage. The, there's zero damage from the rust monster. It's yeah. only going after metal. So theoretically, yeah, spikes you got in your pack. You know. <laughs> You know, do that, but then you could probably, you know, you know, have somebody strip off, you know, you know, any metal or anything like that, and then could pick up said rust monster and take him away yeah. and move, you know, put it behind a door or something. <laughs> There's zero damage from it. You know, it's only, you know, it's just the fighters that look at it and go, yeah. mommy, mommy, help me. Yeah, you know, I know the, I've seen scenarios where they've, combined a rust monster with like a tribe of humanoids that are you know have captured it and use it to defend their lair or something so you get the the heavily armored pcs clanking around and of course who's in the front row of just about any kind of party formation it's the the heavily armored fighter types and 
so they're usually the first ones to uh, encounter the rust monster and and bear the brunt and watch their chain and plate mail, you know, turn to powder before them. So, have you ever thrown that any of your, uh, in, any of your players in your games? Combo. Um, you know, I don't. I, I yeah. don't think I don't remember no, rust using monster. a rust monster before. Um, yeah, it's. I should think about some of these you know quote-unquote classic monsters um like i know i've said this probably in podcasts before despite it being called dungeons and dragons i have hardly ever used a dragon in my games they're if anything they're usually like some kind of mover and shaker behind the scenes pulling the strings on some organization or something but they're they're usually not just you know flying around eating you know a herd of sheep or something or or Know, destroying a town or whatever they're just yeah they're usually smarter than that and pulling the strings there was a dungeon magazine uh adventure that had a green dragon that was kind of behind the scenes and i thought that was one of the best dungeon uh magazine adventures uh, uh Cant, yeah. i think it was called but i won't give it away in case people want to use it in the in their games but it's uh Look it up if you haven't seen it. It's a cool, cool uh, scenario. Um, so there's, I mentioned, I dropped it, the giant shrew. Then there's, uh, again, some giant snakes. But then we get to a couple of the kookiest monsters in BX, to me at least. There is, under giant spider, there's the giant tarantula. And this is, uh, I don't know what, like, acid-induced bad dream caused <laughs> mold bear whoever designed this monster but it's a it's a huge hairy magical spider which looks like a seven foot long tarantula its bite does not kill instead it causes the victim if a save versus poison has failed to have painful spasms which resemble a frantic dance <laughs> uh, the dance has a magical effect on onlookers and they may be affected anyone watching must save versus spells or start to dance in the same way. Dancing victims have a penalty of minus four on their to hit rolls, and attackers gain plus four to hit the victim. The effects of the bite last for two to 12 turns. However, dancers will drop from exhaustion in five turns, and they will then be helpless against attacks. Those caught watching will dance as long as the original victim. I mean, and there's no way to really do it. Uh, Let's see. Uh, in the expert rules, there are magical means to kill the poison, and a dispel magic will stop the dance. So if you have a dispel magic or a neutralized poison, you can stop this. But otherwise, you know, you could have the whole freaking party just dance, dancing until they're dead, basically. <laughs> it's a rave. <laughs> it it's a rave. rave. And the we'll get to some of the art later on, but there's the picture below this is just hilarious with this fighter that's dropped a sword and is in like mid it it does kind of look like he's having a painful spasm rather than a, a dance but he's got his arms flailed out and his one leg kicking up and the spider is lurking uh, nearby just kind of with goggle eyes <laughs> looking at him like what the hell <laughs> yeah the spider looks like dang Tito I didn't realize I was going to do that 
<laughs> I chew again, make you stop. Kooky monster is the fool or foul, however you want to pronounce it. T H O U L. And it's a magical combination of a ghoul, a hobgoblin, and a troll. And it looks just like a hobgoblin and is sometimes found as part of a bodyguard of a hobgoblin king. But the touch of a fool will paralyze in the same way as a ghoul. And if damaged, it regenerates one hit point per round like a, like a troll. So, uh, talk about a, a crazy monster to, I mean, it's three hit dice, so it's not like a super tough monster, but it's uh, a unique monster I don't remember seeing anywhere else. Nah. And that's also, that creature's also in um, oh, wow. underneath Castle Caldwell, too. There's three of them. Kind of Actually, get, just get the yeah. whole B1 through 9 thing. Just get all of them I know together. I've, I've got, I think, like B1 through yeah. 5 or something, just like in the originals. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure buying oh, yeah. a PDF or whatever, that probably isn't too expensive. Yeah, well, that, that one at least tells you if you want to run all of them, all the different bees, you know, there's different yeah. paths that you that one oh, leads yeah, you in. Oh, yeah, connects them, right, yeah. And breaks it down. It, it was, yeah. Now, the only problem is that Castle Caldwell, you know, honestly, it, the, the whole module actually has five por portions to it. The one through nine, you only huh. do two portions of it or something like that. Weird. I, I can't remember what it is. Yeah. Right, straight off the top of my head. So but, moving yeah. over to the expert sets, there aren't, I don't think, as many like unique monsters that you find in here. There's a devil swine, which is kind of like a, a lycanthrope that has some nasty, charming ability. Um, there's, again, some like giant fish that are broken out into different species that are the giant sturgeon. Wow, 10 hit dice. Um they have your basic giants and stuff. The golems are all different. There's not like the clay, stone, and iron golem that you know most people are, or at least most old players are familiar with. In in expert in BX, none of those exist, but they list wood, bone, amber, and bronze. Uh, so the wood golem is like this crude man-like figure, only three feet tall, rudely hacked from wood. They only have two plus two hit dice, um, but they they are listed as an asterisk, so you can only hit them with a magic weapon. Um, but they're, I mean, a pretty pretty weak as far as a golem goes. Bone golems are six feet tall and have like six arms, or no, four arms. Four arms. Um, no, that's four. Why four arms. Yep. Here, four weapons Amber or two two-handed weapons made in the form of a giant lion or tiger. Uh, they're faultless trackers and could detect invisible creatures within 60 feet. And then bron bronze golems are kind of like what you'd think of as a an iron golem in uh, in AD&D. They look like fire giants. But their skin is, uh, or their blood, is liquid fire. So if you hit the bronze golem, like the, like the rock statue, it squirts out some uh, 1d10 points of damage from uh, the juicy innards. Um. <laughs> yeah, I love that one. Yeah, Saved versus death, death ray. That are specifically spelled out as a death ray. Uh, what else do we have here? I don't think there are a whole lot of 
I think you have to go all the way up to the salamander to get something that's kind of unique, um, at least for a monster type in in DX. And uh, there's two types listed, flame and frost. And like in AD&D, there's like, you know, kind of fiery salamander. But here, it's not like a... Um, like a Medusa or some Medusa where it's a snake from the waist down and a man-like creature from the top up. This is kind of like a, a long giant snake with, with uh, a couple of arms, a couple of claws. Um, and then the frost salamander is a, looks like a giant lizard with six legs and it can attack with four of its arms and rear up on the, the back two legs. But uh, they're also described as free-willed uh, elementals, so they're intelligent and uh, and um, I don't know I suppose it would be up to the DM if they could speak and stuff but uh, they're kind of interesting and there's a really cool uh, picture by Errol Otis of them um... it, it's interesting that they call them you know be, they say that you know, you look at their saves, yeah. their saves are the same as their hit dice, so they have to be intelligent. But if you go look at it in the Beckley, oh, really? their huh. intelligence is listed as one. So I'm not, I, it almost <laughs> they, sounds like somebody yeah, wasn't following the rules. Made an exception to the rule there. The aforementioned termites are yeah. in here. <laughs> the giant termites. <laughs> they don't have a giant mm-hmm. stick, though. Yeah. Sounds like you've used those well, against like people. The saltwater termites. This that just seems like a DM giving the lifting the middle finger to anyone that would buy a ship. Just like, all right, I'm gonna just destroy <laughs> destroy the ship that you just sunk. Uh, well, sunk. I suppose that <laughs> that you just spent ten thousand gold pieces to get, and uh, I'm gonna take it out with some giant termites. Um, seems kind of harsh. Um, I don't know. Do you? Have, do you have anything? Oh, yeah. I just realized something while you were saying that. I was looking. I went back and flipped yeah. back over to um, the rule cyclopedia, the Beckman thing. They do actually add one other piece to the stat block, and I, I just it totally went over my head. Beside the hit dice, they tell oh, you well, the size of the creature: small, medium, or large. I guess it came into play a lot more in AD and D with the separate damage type. Uh, differentiation for weapons but um but it's still a handy little uh note to know just how big the creature is when you're describing it without having to look at the flavor text or whatever yeah so salt water is supposed to be medium size so that would be in the four to five foot length it could shoot through a lot of wood yeah so let's I mean, so giant toad is uh, not that big. Anything more to add on the actual monsters? We can talk about the art that's uh, throughout the monster sections here. Um, I don't think I have anything else in my notes really there. Just, uh, you know, expert, you've got only six monsters there that have only to have uh, magic to hit them. And three, okay, of, the, and, and three of those are undead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they do ramp up. They do ramp up the hit dice considerably yeah, in, I the, in the expert listing of monsters. Um, you don't find nearly as many low-level creatures, which I mean makes sense. And you see, 
Yeah. Yeah. And the only other thing before you go into art, um, there back to hit dice a little bit. There's also just a couple yeah. of them where the creatures have a range. You know, insect yeah. insect swarm. There's a range there, and curiously, um, noble and and veteran, yeah. which are really just fighters. So the veteran's a level one through three fighter, and the noble is four to eight, something like that. I believe no, I seeing, might be wrong on that. I'm not seeing veteran uh, listed in my BX. I think it's on in in basic and in uh, on here. Quick, yeah. It's in your basic. Oh, it yeah, it's in the basic. That's weird. Yeah, veterans in the basic. I was just. Yeah, but huh. noble. Yeah, noble's wow. three to eight. Oh, it says here. Well, noble, well I take that back. I know. I'm sorry. I'm noble sorry. I'm looking. I got to relook at my notes. In basic, yeah. yeah, noble in basic is only three hit dice, but the uh, uh, Beckme they okay. changed it to be uh, third through eight. Yeah, as a fighter, so there was a there's a bit of a change there. Um, and then over in the expert rules, you've got herds that range from mm -hmm. one to four hit dice. Mermen okay. range from one to four hit dice. Your vampires, seven through nine. Hellhounds, oh, three through seven hit dice. And oh, then Hydra and Sea Hydra, yep. five through 12. Yep. And that, you know, that tells you how many heads they got, so. But, you know, I found that interesting that mermen were one through four. Almost like, yeah. you know, if you want to go underwater adventuring. Huh. In uh, AD&D, it lists hit dice as one plus one. I'm guessing like with so many of the humanoid type monsters, there's probably something in the text which says for every 50 mermen, there'll be one that's got X amount of hit dice or something. But actually, I'm not seeing that. beware the merman all right for art for art um you know one thing i think yeah. is frustrating to me with um with monster books that have limited illustration is when they illustrate things that you don't have to really have an imagination to picture <laughs> so and they'll like have an illustration of a of a saber-toothed tiger well i know what a saber-toothed tiger looks like so when they when they waste space on a on a picture like that i'm a little bit uh, bummed out and bx has its share of that there are some really good illustrations i think but there are some pretty pedestrian ones too um the the first one in the basic is the white ape kind of looking back over his shoulder with his with a toothy maw it's air lotus so i mean it's cool looking but it's basically just uh, i suppose it could be bigfoot or an ape or something minion bravo actually said I, I i can't remember if i recorded it or not but he truly said <laughs> that a, he'd cool actually picture. consider getting that as a tattoo i mean think about it you know oh, you'd yeah. have to have somebody sketch it i mean i was like that's a lot of ink in there but he liked the 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 yeah. you know the what yeah. you know the native space i guess I don't it's know. a cool looking yeah uh, that's that's the part he liked about it you know conveys something there's there's a look of kind of savagery but maybe intelligence behind it too um and it it's it is kind of a sparse just yeah you know, like 
pencil line drawing of outlining the hair, which suggests shoulders and like a muscled back and maybe kind of a pointed head or something. But yeah, I mean, it's well done. It's Errol Otis. I mean, I, there's not many of his uh, illustrations that I don't like. Um, yeah. The next uh, one is the carrying crawler, which uh, it looks like it has a, was wearing a big helmet or shield or something, and then it's, it's got like a barcode behind it too or something. It's really kind of a weird uh, picture by uh, I think Diesel um, or David S. LaForce or whatever. Um, so yeah, look at that picture it, again and think <laughs> sci-fi setting. Yeah, and. It almost looks Cthulhuite too. I mean, I suppose anything with tentacles coming out of its face kind of makes you think of Cthulhu. But then, I mean, it's got like the peg legs um, for the segmented body and stuff. It's okay. Uh, then, of course, there's a saber-toothed tiger that I mentioned before. It doesn't even, I can't even tell who did it. I don't know if that's stock art or if, if uh, I don't see like a, um, anyone that's got their signature line or anything uh there, there's a couple bees by willingham uh not that i can bees. tell uh there's a, a cool errol otis picture of a kobold uh impaling a giant snake through the head with a spear in a in a weird funky looking cavern um that's looks like it's not even tall enough for the kobold to stand up in um uh, he's kind of looks a little bit lizard-like, but a little dog-like, too. Uh, the ears especially kind of are reminiscent of a dog. Yep, yep, that's Liz Well, they, they call him dog-like man. Save for half and save or die as the long-running gag that she loves kobolds and loves the puppy dog kobolds. Um, so that's kind of spelled out here. And then, of course, in B2, they talk about the little dogmen in the lower caverns and the big dogmen in the upper caverns. That's kobolds and gnolls. Spoiler. Um, there's a picture Errol oh, okay. did of uh, a couple lizards face to face. One of them, the gecko or whatever, is uh, looking pretty, pretty fierce with its mouth open. The other one looks like it's ready to fall asleep. <laughs> Doesn't look like it's concerned by the, <laughs> by the other lizard. Uh, there's a, a little Medusa insert. Uh, <laughs> right. Ah, don't look. Don't look, Rob. Don't look. <laughs> by uh, by Jeff D. I think. Or no, that's uh, David S. Force again. Um, it's all right. Uh, Willingham did the picture of the rust monster, and it's got a little pixie or something tickling its uh, uh, feeler. Um. Again, it's pretty cool. I like the fact that they illustrated the the rust monster because you know that's something that I even though it describes it as like a giant armadillo with a long tail and feelers, you know, long antennae coming out of the front. It's it's kind of cool to see the the picture of it. Uh, it's got some pictures of uh, skeletons, which I can't tell who did these. I like the the effect that they have here. It's reminiscent of the. Uh, Sinbad or whatever movie that is that has the stop after the Harryhausen. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned the tarantula yes, with the, the safety dance. Uh... <laughs> oh, a Tarantella. Tarantella. Sorry. Tarantella. Yeah. Yeah. 
It looks like a tarantula, okay. but there is uh, no tarantula so stats. The answer there uh, was shortly going to be lunch. Uh, and then there's a troglodyte, uh, pretty sinister looking um, by Willingham. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, that's and then a good when picture. we go like to the one. expert, uh, again, not a whole lot of illustrations. Um, there's Willingham did a basilisk, which, yeah, it's okay. Um, kind of looks like, in some ways, a hairless cat with a, with a snake tail <laughs> and, uh, and head of a like lizard with, <laughs> with big blank eyes. There's a cockatrice, which looks like a chicken yeah. uh, with a snake running through it. The snake running up to the chicken head and then having like a snake tail ending in like an, a feathered motif. Oh, and of course, I've got Herman here trying to get attention. He wants to have his picture of the monster, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's because uh, you said we have to go All the way to the giants to see another illustration um, by uh, David Les LaForce. And it's got a group picture of the giants family photo here we've got the Olymp olympian storm giant standing with his uh arms crossed towering over the others uh the cloud giant looking pretty serious with his big mace uh the frost giant shaking his fist at the adventuring party uh with a, a large fur cape um then the fire giant who looks a little bit like a i don't know uh, Persian or something, um, replete with mail. Persian, um, yeah. The stone giant, <laughs> sporting the Mister Clean look with uh, a fur loincloth and uh, looks like a toothy necklace, carrying a stalactite or maybe it's a stalagmite uh, club. And then the hill giant making off with someone's cow under his arm um, and a spear. And the uh, Johnny Weissmuller suit. Uh, so, yeah. Plus, they put little uh, little hairy markings to show you how uh, how hairy and here suit whatever the word is for the hill giant. Uh, we've got a Jeff D photo for a hydra or not photo illustration with the wizard doing a flyby in a magic carpet shooting some kind of ray out of his magic wand and uh taking out one of the heads of the hydra some of the other heads look confused and are staring at one another and uh the other look like they're ready to try and take a chomp out of the magic user but kind of looks like he's gonna fly by before they get a shot at him um it's pretty cool kind of it does imply a lot of action and movement in the illustration with uh kind of uh vapor trail so to speak of the magic carpet it's actually i think there's a few illustrations throughout bx of the magic user and the magic carpet uh, we got errol otis doing a big uh giant octopus giving out a big uh ink cloud which look like little bubbles or globules of ink there's something kind of well i suppose octopus always look kind of creepy in a way but this one almost seems like he's given it some kind of sinister expression. Like it's, uh, well, they do say octopus are pretty intelligent, don't they? Uh, so, um, yes. 
And then there's Willingham has a, a picture of a uh, pterodactyl chasing down a Pegasus ready to swoop down and attack it or maybe maybe ride it. Maybe the pterodactyl needs a, a little break and he wants to take a ride on it. Uh, now, this is actually where I missed something, but also point out the uh, fact that this is where the stat blocks in expert oh, yeah. in uh, mm -hmm. the cook version are messed up. Because yep. you look at it, and uh, hopefully you got there. It says attacks one to three, oh, wow. or yeah. on the Tyrandon one to twelve. Yep. Yeah, it's all. It should be one attack, yep. and that's the damage. Good, good catch there. Yeah. So yeah, slight, slight. Slight miscalculation yep. there. That's one where damage was missing on there, and it because yep. you know because if that yep. is a pterodactyl, that Pegasus should just turn around and kick its butt. Yep. But if it's a pteranodon, yeah, I think, well, yeah, yeah, I think we're in a little bit of trouble. I guess it's in the <laughs> um, background, so we don't really the size perspective isn't quite. You can't tell, but I'd say it's probably more like a pteranodon. But yeah. Yeah, but he can outfly that yep. anyway because you know Vegas yep. is you know 480 <laughs> feet, you know 480 uh, inch. Excuse so, me. Yeah, then we have uh, the air has the picture of the two salamander types battling it out, both gnawing on each other. The uh, flame salamander is kind of coiled around the frost salamander, but I don't know. Kind of looks like the frost salamanders maybe got the upper hand there at the moment. Um, they are tougher. I guess they got 12 hit dice versus 8 for the flame, but but it's a pretty cool photo or illustration. Um, then there's the Spectre, which I really like. Also, Aerolotus. It's got kind of a ghouly, jack-o'-lantern-y looking head with, uh, of course, it's Aerolotus, so it's got a weird crown or headdress or something and a shabby looking cape and maybe the hint of mail and his long skeletal uh, fingers and arms and stuff kind of reaching out ready to drain someone for a couple levels and of course oh wait a minute there's uh, also a sea serpent which is nothing really to it's a tiny little illustration filler kind of thing your basic kind of Nessie kind of look with it in and out of the water but of course they have an illustration for Boom, bada, boom, the giant termite because we can't get enough giant termite. <laughs> and then the vampire. I love the vampire. For some reason, it reminds me of uh, uh, Billy D. Williams or something. It looks like Calrissian. <laughs> but it's got the... <laughs> well, maybe. maybe. Didn't he play a vampire somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> all right J jason you need to go yeah, find out need, for us we need help uh we're not gonna look it up uh, he, he's got look the it up. coarse <laughs> cape and high cowl and widow's peak but he's also devilishly handsome and has the uh uh well i guess there's a hint of a beard aside from a goatee and can kind of make out some fangs and he does kind of have a a yeah. very large brow line or something <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's gotten beaten about the head a little bit or something, but 
And then the last illustration, another, <laughs> Aral- I think it's an Aralotus of uh, of a nut wall. But, yeah, again, yes. something that you know, I don't know why they narwhal. had space for things like narwhals and and uh, panthers and stuff like that. And even, I mean, even though I like the giant octopus, it's like, wow, we all know what a giant oct- or an octopus looks like, so. So um, unlike you know, like the monster manual that has the AD and D monster manual that has an illustration for pro- I'm guessing like you know seventy five percent of the monsters listed, it's not very fully illustrated here in BX. So Easy. That's definitely um, a mark against it. But overall, I mean, it's got a nice mix of monsters. There's some unique ones. It does the job, and because all these systems are so similar. It's not at all hard to use monsters from first edition, second edition, whatever, you know, or make up your own. I mean, making up a monster in old school D&D is a snap. Um, Not that, you know, making a monster in like fifth edition is hard, but it's harder. It takes more time than to just whip something up in, in BX. So, boy, we've, uh, we've, I've, uh, well, we're at the over the hour and 10 minute mark. So this is going to be my longest recording ever. So that that to make Joe happy, you know, (laughs) Hey, look, Joe, it's all in one episode. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. I guess the longest episode I had before this was the one I did with froth. And for some reason that's taken off like a shot, but I suspect that has something to do with anchor, maybe having a glitch. Maybe. But if nothing else, <clears throat> we've thoroughly tested this record with friends. Yes. And it's, you can go a long time with it, obviously. And I'm knocking on wood right now that hopefully this recording doesn't get lost somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, that would be uh, apropos. I am available other, other times this week. So, you know. <laughs> okay. Well, I have a backup plan. Yeah. Um, so. Thanks so much, Jeff, for joining yeah. me. Uh, I appreciate it, and it's uh, it's always fun to have you know conversations with people rather than monologues. And um, I'd like to do this with uh, with more of the anchorites too, and um, yeah, and with you too. Obviously. Well, I mean, so, it's because I went through your back catalog and I hit that stretch where you're like. You know, you know, we need, I need to do this huh? and do it, and you kind of put a call I'm out. Promising to do it. I think I think Cody M said something at one point and and you all just never got to it and everything. And I figured this would be a, you know, kind of get you back behind the mic a little bit, you know, get kind of get this out of your system. You know, you've heard me talk about blockers and I think that is something that gets uh, us as podcasters and, and gamers. There's something that's just in the way and we don't feel creative or we just can't do something. And it's one of those things of just, if you get it out of the way, just do it and get out of the way. All of a sudden, everything else kind of flows. Yep. And I, yep. I, I kind of started feeling that this BX deep dive was being a blocker for you. So that's why I offered to, you know, let's kind of get this all together, talk about it together. Because, I mean, yeah, like you said, monologue, man, sometimes you just you just can't get yourself up for it. Yep, I hear you. I hear you. And, sometimes, yeah, sometimes, like, you have that blocker. And if you're anything like me and you also have a little bit of the distracted kind of 
personality or something that comes along and and you are interested in you want to talk about that but then you've got this thing that you've promised to do which has turned out to be much more of a a, a dive than you, <laughs> you yeah. anticipated yeah i just gotta i just gotta hammer these out now and uh and then move on it's i i've enjoyed this i've really enjoyed the uh the back and forth not only with you but the other people that have called in about the bx uh, i know there's a lot of people that love it especially with the popularity of uh, ose now from gavin norman so it's um and and the the amount of listens i've gotten for the bx series has been you know it's been really popular yeah uh, like more than double what my usual episodes are so so there's definitely a thirst for some bx talk so stay tuned for more of it in the upcoming weeks and because we got treasure yeah we got treasure we've got uh what is up next treasure treasure dungeon master information yep boy what does expert have i think that's it because they follow hand in hand for that so just two more two more sections is there i don't know Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, I guess uh, there's only one thing to do. You got to sing the opening uh, theme song duet with me now. <laughs> Come on. In old school games. I'm just kidding. Uh, I appreciate the you joining me here, Jeff. Yeah, man. And until I talk to all of you again, thanks for listening. Don't go down in a heap. Bye. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, man. So what are you going to call it? What are you going to call this one? Musings <laughs> um, in a heap. So as we alluded to there, we used the record feature in Anchor, and I, for the most part, it worked pretty well. I think there was uh, a slight delay for some reason in the <clears throat> the two streams, the audio streams, where it seemed like Jeff was lagging a little bit, and it's only really noticeable, <clears throat> or I only really noticed it, in a couple places, but it did kind of make things a little bit more disjointed and it made it sound like we were kind of stepping on each other verbally a little bit more than we actually were in the conversation. So I apologize for that. I hope it wasn't too irritating, but yeah, it's gone on long enough. So thanks for joining us and I look forward to doing some more podcasts soon. See ya.